Hi, you're listening to Up the Smut Podcast, and today we have an amazing guest who I am so excited to have on because I have been reading her books since like 2019, Miss um, Talia Hibbert. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I, I keep telling you how obsessed I am with your Instagram account and your hilarious memes, so very happy to be here. That always throws me off. I'm like, whenever I see someone like you or Tessa Bailey or anybody who like I've been following for a really long time comment I'm always just absolutely blown away but what <laughs> what was the one you commented on where I had the audiobook uh, uh when I played it oh my god so like the whole thing was like when you're accidentally playing like a really horny audiobook in public right and I was sitting at the table with my mum and I was like wow wouldn't it be terrible if I did that and then somehow I clicked on it and it started playing really loudly. I clicked off and then I clicked on it again. <laughs> I did it twice. Like how? <laughs> I was cursed. <laughs> uh, and I was like, I should have put a warning. Like a, like, a little, like, uh, spoiler alert, like uh, explicit content. Please keep yeah. muted if you're like around your mom or your mother-in-law or your children. Like just a warning. Um, oh. But it, that stuff always like cracks me up too. <laughs> but if you guys don't know, Talia is the author of the Brown Sisters trilogy, which I think is probably what you are now most known for because they Mm. exploded nationally, internationally. I mean, my nationally is different from your nationally, if you can't (laughs) tell from the accent. So, um, but you are also now the author of a YA romance, which the cutest cover and the cutest title, highly suspicious and unfairly cute. (laughs) And I love that title so much. And again, the cover is absolutely adorable. But I am so curious, as someone who went or who was originally writing explicit adult romances, open door romances, what led you to write and release a YA book? Well, um, so it started with the the imprint that publishes this book, Joy Revolution, is like spearheaded by Nicola and David Yoon, who are both... Um, YA authors and they're married and it's adorable um and they reached out and were kind of like we're doing this thing we want to focus on like stories about people of color living their lives and experiencing joy and we think that sounds like you know on brand for you are you interested and I was like "Mm," you know exactly what you said I write people doing it not (laughs) sure (laughs) Um, I really didn't think that I could do it. But once they asked me, you know, over the next few days, I found myself thinking of characters and ideas and setups um, because I I do read YA, not as much as I read adult romance, but I read YA and I've always read YA. um, And those were some like formative books for me when I was a teenager, as I'm sure they are for most people. And so it turned out that I had some ideas and pronounced to me. So I was like, screw it, let's give it a go. Amazing. I, I love that, that that they reached out to you um, <laughs> wanting to have your voice among their books, because that just that must have been such like a one. I mean, a nerve wracking, but wonderful compliment to know that you were on people's radars. It really was. I was incredibly shocked because like especially Nicola Yoon, I read her books and, you know, her books have been adapted into films, which mm-hmm. I have watched. And she's like super famous to me. And I'm like a fan. So I was like, Nicola, you know who I am? It was a very starstruck moment. Because <laughs> even if you don't read YA, like I, I haven't read YA in a long time necessarily. I, I have here and there, but not as a dedicated reader. But even I recognize her name. Like I worked in a bookstore and it was just like, it was everywhere. 
yeah always faced out always in like a beautiful display like very big name so that is such a wonderful compliment (laughs) and I mean the book seems to have been very well received you recently took over the Barnes and Noble uh Instagram page which must be such a dream slash nightmare come true depending (laughs) on how you feel about being in the public eye like that um how was that for you um it was exactly what you said a dream slash nightmare (laughs) because I'm not great at being in public and you know talking and doing social media but at the same time like taking over the Barnes and Noble Instagram account I was like this is incredible and I am terrified um but it was nice that everyone was really you know really nice when I was doing it like I said if anyone has any questions for me send them through and then after I posted that I was like you're gonna get two questions and it's gonna be embarrassing and you're gonna have to like post questions to yourself and pretend they were from someone else (laughs) but people did have questions so I was thrilled I think it was okay (laughs) I would have had my like husband my mom my best friends like waiting like if nobody posts I'm gonna need you to get on there here's a list of approved questions I'm happy to answer here you go Um, yeah is it weird now because that those stay up on their Instagram is it something that people can go back and visit and like look at your answers and everything I think maybe because they, you know, as an example, they sent me some stuff that other authors had done. So I think it saved somewhere. And then at the end of the day, I did a live with Nicola and David and that's on there too. Um, So I'm kind of trying not to think about it because (laughs) in situations like that, I get like the adrenaline rush and I say stuff. And then after I'm like, what did I say? And I have no idea. And I'd like to keep it up. (laughs) I totally understand. I never go back and listen to my own podcast. No. My my co-host Michaela, she will uh go listen to it and then she'll report back to me and be like, oh, you sounded great, or like we were really funny at this part, or you should use <laughs> these quotes to like promote it. And I'm always like, okay, like I believe you because I'm not I'm not gonna go back. <laughs> I hate the sound of my own voice. It's mostly that. I can't oh my listen God, to my yeah. own voice. Same. Um, I don't even like looking at old reels that I've done. So like I don't want to <laughs> listen to me. um but what was different about writing a YA then um obviously like were you ever like oh this is getting a little bit too spicy for why like did you ever slip into your adult romance persona or Um, were you pretty good so with the language like just how characters were speaking I I had to constantly be reminded like you can't say fuck this many times in a YA book which I also think is cultural because in the UK yes you can (laughs) but in the US I think everyone's a lot more polite than we are here ironically um but in terms of like you know the romance between the main characters and like spice the kind of things I put in my adult books it never came up I was worried that I would be like you know because one of the reasons I write open door sex in my adult romances is that it's an important part of the relationship that my characters have. Like I show it because it's part of the story that I think the readers need to know. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was worried that there'd be a point where I would be like, well, I'd usually write a sex scene and I'm not going to do that here. So what now? But it never happened, I think, because it's really kind of character driven. And these characters, they're both 17. And, you know, one of them, it's mentioned that he's had sex before. One of them has not had sex and neither of them throughout the book are at a point where they're ready to do that together so because it was led by them it just didn't come up which was helpful for me (laughs) I like that so you're definitely one of those authors who kind of lets the characters 
show you where the story is going to go in a sense and like how they're going to communicate and what how spicy the book is going to get and so you don't like for not for this book but with your other books I've noticed that you're you're really purposeful with your sex scenes and they never seem like they're just thrown in to be gratuitous and to fit what society wants from romance novels these days they always they seem to serve a purpose each and every time to bring the characters closer together and I don't know I I love it (laughs) oh thank you that's a really lovely thing to say because that's kind of what I hope for yeah I do want it because you know I feel like sex is like a form of communication right so I put it in the same way I'd put in certain conversations all for the purpose of telling the story which you know I am 100% behind gratuitous sex scenes all the way <laughs> yeah there's a I love I'm not saying I don't love books with gratuitous sex yeah. scenes. I am a huge fan of those books um, I've read quite a few books that are just gratuitous sex scene after gratuitous sex scene but I will say that yours always seem like I always come out feeling like I know more about the characters because the sex scene was there just like you're saying it kind of is in place of what could be a con it is a conversation in a sense it's just communicating in a different way than necessarily using your words you're using your hands and your penis and stuff yes Uh, um I am curious though your books especially I mean I know the covers are different uh in different countries I know that I believe in the UK is the cover um of Chloe Brown it's like a a woman like a real woman on the cover correct oh no that's um, a different country that's is it the one where it's like a woman's legs? Yes. Because that's the mass market paperback of Chloe. Oh, Chloe's. okay. So, yeah, different format, but that's in the US. Okay, I haven't seen that one yet. And I, I want it on my shelf because for some reason, I just really, I love your normal uh, illustrated covers. But that one, I was like, I really like how that one looks. And But I am curious, when you have illustrated covers, they're beautiful, <laughs> they're adorable. Um, are people ever shocked by how sexy the books are do you ever get comments Um, like that where they're like whoa I wasn't expecting a sex toy scene or anything like that so now that TikTok is a thing I've noticed you know when people tag me in TikToks if people tag me in something I'll watch it and I've seen a few where they do a video like books where the heat level shocked me and it will be like all the books with cartoon covers you know my Mm -hmm. book will be on there and I'll be like yeah I can see why <laughs> but I think also people are getting used to it now right I th- I do think so I think that there's definitely that trend uh twisting towards illustrated covers just becoming the norm um mm. both in the super explicit arena like monster romance and alien romance because it's just that much easier to yes have a book cover when you don't have to photoshop a human man blue (laughs) um but then also I think people have found a way to make them I don't know to convey that they are a little bit spicier uh, depending on how you know how how is the couple embracing on the cover or uh, even just the way they're illustrated can sometimes be a clue if they're less Mm. cutesy more realistic or things like that um but I of the three books um in the Brown sister series were all, I mean, I loved every single one of them. They were all very different though. Like I felt like your series was definitely one of those ones where people like, it's hard to, for me to, to I'm such a great bookstagrammer and uh, podcaster right now trying to formulate my words, <laughs> um, but each character and uh, I mean, both characters in each book felt so unique, but there was still that I believe that they are sisters like, I fully believe that they came from the same family, that they were 
a like burst from the same mother they had the same <laughs> grandmother you know I just I felt that there was that camaraderie between them but they were so unbelievably different and I'm wondering how when you're writing do you keep a character's voice that unique mm. I don't know I feel like sometimes you read books and you're like okay it's kind of a copy of the previous character set in a different scene but not that was not at all the case with the Brown sisters and so was that difficult for you or did oh. it just come naturally <laughs> Thank you. Wow. I'm blushing. Um, <laughs> I think I really enjoy writing sisters. I have a lot of sisters and I think it's like a really fabulous relationship and it makes me happy. So for me, it's a nice basis to start with. And maybe being one of many sisters helps me maintain those distinctions because like you said, a lot of the time when people are really close or their family or they've known each other a long time, they have these similarities that come from that shared experience. But then at the same time, you know, everyone's different. And so they show it in a different way. Um, but, you know, like with the Brown sisters specifically, I kind of started with my ideas around how each sister might be based on their age. So Chloe is the oldest. Um, so I thought she might be the most responsible, maybe a bit hard on herself. Um, the middle sister I thought might be a high achiever because she might be overlooked and the baby of the family might be a bit stifled by that. Um, so I kind of went from there and it sounds like, you know, those are basically stereotypes with like maybe a sprinkle of psychology. But if you start from a seed like that and then you really let your imagination run wild and you think about the different experiences they might have had, I think that gives you like a strong basis for the differences between them. Wow. I mean, that makes a ton of sense. Like, I don't know why I thought it was going to be some very, very complicated answer, but you're like, <laughs> no, I just really pulled from psychology <laughs> and it's true as an oldest sister uh I am I am the old the only sister um but I feel that that actually quite characterizes me and my brothers I have three brothers so oldest middle youngest and I feel like that is exactly how that transpired in our family so much to their dismay I'm very <laughs> uh, controlling and stubborn um in terms of the I'm going to stick with the brown sisters just because I love them and I own all the books <laughs> I got some from uh, Book of the Month back in when I had the subscription. And I'm wondering though, and I hope you don't, I hope this isn't something that is coming necessarily as a surprise to you, but I also hope it doesn't offend. But I would say that the Brown sisters are not necessarily immediately likable characters in a sense. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right? Okay. I, I was worried about being like, everybody hates your character. <laughs> no, that is not the case, but they're not immediately endearing to, to not to everybody I think there are mm. definitely some people who are like this is me I am immediately endeared to Danny <laughs> or to Chloe or to Eve but in a like it always comes up when people are looking for characters that aren't necessarily immediately likable that your books become frequent rec recommendations mm. and I think that's because kind of what you were talking about you it's just fitting this family dynamic that we most people have lived and so when they're looking at Chloe, they're like, wow, she is like kind of stubborn. She's a little bit controlling. Like that is me. <laughs> so I'm like, for a minute, I'm like, I'm almost taking offense to it in a sense. Cause I'm like, I'm forced to kind of confront who I am as a person in a character. And then I'm like, oh my God, I am such a lot, you know, I've become in love with myself through reading Aww. about Chloe. It's like, I see her struggle. I see parts of me in her. Mm -hmm. And then you're just like, I don't know. It, it makes me love myself more at the end of the book. But I'm wondering if that comes up a lot that people are like, I, I didn't like them immediately at first, but then I love the like, 
I grew to love them as the book went on. If that was your intention or you intended for them to be lovable off the bat, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just curious how that kind of sort of works out on your end. I love what you said so much about like confronting yourself through the character and growing to love yourself more when you read, because honestly, that's kind of exactly what I hope will happen when I think about making relatable characters. And I think a reason why, yeah, I'm aware that a lot of my characters, especially my heroines, are unlikable. Um, and that's definitely intentional. Um, just because I think for me, characters are so important. They're the key part of any story for me. That's one of the reasons why I love reading and writing romance, because it is so character driven. And I always want my characters to be relatable to someone. They don't have to be relatable to everyone. That's, you know, impossible. But relatability to me requires that realism and realism means flaws mm -hmm. and another great thing about romance is how it's a journey of knowing and therefore loving someone and this idea that the more the characters get to know each other the more of each other's wounds and flaws they see the deeper in love they fall and I think that's something that everyone should you know consider themselves worthy of so that's another reason why I love writing these unlikable heroines who are a bit more you know they're just not easy. Mm -hmm. And I think no one on earth really is easy. Maybe some people are better at pretending to be, but no one is and no one should have to be. So yes, they are unlikable on purpose. Thank you for noticing. <laughs> I think that's a really good point you just made about them. Like we don't necessarily want easy characters because mm. no one is easy. And that's interesting just because when you think about reading romance, you're... You some people are reading it because they want to escape into a person who isn't who they are. They want mm. to just fall into a different setting, a different world, and just escape whatever they're dealing with. But other people read it because they want to see people like them reflected in romance. And if you're only reading, like for me, I'm I'm not an easy person. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> I'm not like hard to love necessarily. I have a wonderful husband who loves me every day. Um, but I wouldn't say that I I make it easy every day. Um, I'm very stubborn. I'm definitely, uh, I have like some obsessive compulsive tendencies and a lot of anxiety. And so when I read books where I see characters who aren't, like we said, easy to love, finding that love, I just think it it's an even more beautiful love than when you have characters who are just perfect right off the bat. Or in some cases, it's usually the hero who's allowed to be flawed. And the heroine has to be just perfect and flawless and fix him. Mm -hmm. And so when you see <laughs> it, like both characters are flawed and have difficult moments, then I don't know. It's a more rewarding love in the end that comes out. Um, but I liked how you said like easy to love because that's very, that's very true. Um, I do want to talk about the scene in Eve Brown in which, uh, or <laughs> Actor Age, Eve Brown is the full title, but I know them so well. I give them <laughs> And uh, the sex toy scene. Yes. I feel like it took a lot of people um, by, not, not necessarily shock because they should know by now from reading it, <laughs> but it's not often that you see sex, teen, se sex teens, hmm, sex teens, sex toys in romance novels. Or if you do, it's usually referenced as like, she has a sex toy that now she no longer needs. Mm. Like she puts aside her sex toy because she has a perfect dick, like at Rebecca <laughs> Call now. Or it's used as like an embarrassment thing where like he finds it in the sheets or something, but then it's tossed to the side. Mm. But obviously that 
you took it a completely different direction. And I hope people, if you don't want spoilers, skip like five minutes ahead or something. <laughs> um, but in Eve Brown, they find a sex toy in the sheets and they make use of it in the moment. Yeah, as they should. <laughs> yes, right? And so I'm wondering, uh, again, you don't, you either see books that are fully about sex toys. Like when I see sex toys, it's usually like one of them is a sex toy maker and their job yes. is to test them out and it becomes a whole point of the plot rather than just like a piece of the plot mm. um how did you feel writing that and how did you feel knowing that that was going to be put out into public consumption was it exciting or <laughs> nerve-wracking um it happened without a lot of thought I was kind of thinking you know Eve is a very quirky character everything about her is really fun and over the top and she has been living her whole life in one room and now they're on a date in this one room. So I was like, obviously he's going to find a sex toy. Um, and I think, you know, like you said, a lot of the time in MF romance, if there's a sex toy, it's like a, well, we never need this again because now we have the perfect blessed penis. And as a queer person, I think that's just so stupid. <laughs> Ridiculous. What do you mean? What are you talking about? Sex toys are fun and they're there to like make everything better so why would you not make them a part of the situation you know if you're a romance writer having a good time for example why would you not write that in um so yeah it's not the first time that I've like written scenes with sex toys or like a character being like oh you have sex toys let's go um I wonder if this is going to become one of my things She's the sex toy person. Um, but it was a lot of fun to write. And then I didn't necessarily think anything of it until people started reading the book and being like, oh, my God, the sex toy scene. And I was like, oh, yeah. So it was a nice surprise for me, everyone's reaction to it. It was very fun to hear. I think that's interesting that to you, it was just a piece of the story. Like, you yeah. were just like, yeah, it makes sense that, that the story just pieced together. And you were like, yeah, this is how it would happen. But everyone else, again, like we're as readers, it just isn't something you come across as much. And so I remember being like, holy crap, I did not expect. I mean, I should have, <laughs> but I didn't expect this. And then I was like, I love this. And I think that there's a lot of people who are like, then went on to try and find other books that incorporate sex toys as well. And I would love to see it become even more mainstream. But mm. I think there's still that like, well, if you have the perfect partner, then you don't need sex toys, like stigma around. <laughs> that's just like, no, no, like we want the, <laughs> we want the sex toys. <laughs> we don't need them necessarily. We want them because it's more fun. On the topic of Eve Brown though, on a scale of one to 10, how much would you recommend someone hit a man with their car as a meet cute situation <laughs> um I would only recommend it if you've already met him slash know about him and are fairly confident that he's not going to call the police <laughs> that seems very smart um uh, self-preservation there yeah Weirdly, it was not the first book I have read in which uh a really brought closer together by one of them hitting the other with a car <laughs> So, what other book? Um, it is one by it's an MM book by Lily Morton. I can't oh, remember I exactly. I know the character. It's either I know the title and I don't remember anything about the characters, or <laughs> I remember everything about the book and I don't remember the title. Um, but it was with uh, Silas and Oz. Her her book. Um, I'll post it later. Um, one of my favorites though, and I just I think it's so funny. <laughs> um, 
I actually wrote that question down too. I was like, that's a funny question. I'm writing it down <laughs> to make sure. Um, I do want to talk about one other book. I know we've talked a lot about Eve Brown now, um, which and all the Brown sisters, which we might go back to. In terms of the roommate risk, mm. which I loved, and you recently, was it a complete repub or a, re- a new cover? Yes, it used to be called something else. So now it's the roommate risk and it's had a new cover and everything. Very okay. shiny. And can you, uh, <laughs> I, I'm so bad at this, but can you, if you recall, <laughs> you've written a lot of books. Can you just give us the quick like blurb about what the roommate risk is? Okay, so the roommate risk follows two best friends. Um, He has been in love with her for seven years, ever since they met at university and had sex. Um, After they had sex, he said, I want to take you out. And she said, "Mm, I don't really do that. Bye. And he was like, no, wait, let's be friends. So that's what they've been doing. They've been friends. But then her um, apartment floods and she has to move in with him and stuff occurs. And so at the risk, again, if you do not want a spoiler, it's not like the end of the book or anything. Again, like all romances end happy. So is it really a spoiler? Spoiler alert. I want to talk about the squirting scene. Oh. (laughs) Which I know is going to be a, I'm not sure you expected that when you came on here, but uh, you wouldn't believe the number of requests I get from women wanting books in which squirting occurs. And they are not easy to find. And I am just curious if that was a one another along the lines of the sex toy thing where you were just like, some women do this. I'm going to write it into the book or if it was a more purposeful thing. Um, yeah, I'm just curious. It's just such a wonderful thing to see in, in, a, in a book these days. I feel like it was basically both because like you said, these things, you know, I get these ideas because this is what happens in real life, right? People use sex toys, people squirt. Um, but then if I if it does occur to me like yeah people squirt but some people are kind of weird or negative about it and some people maybe don't think it should be in the book that just makes me feel even more like I'm gonna put it in the book (laughs) because you know that's I when I read I like to see the world as it is and not feel like I'm constantly reading the same sanitized socially acceptable version of reality so just putting in real life things for me is so much fun. Um, but again, I didn't realize that people were like actively looking for that sort of thing. So it makes me happy that, you know, here's another book where you can say, well, this one's got it. Yeah. In all the books I have ever read, I think I have read two books that incorporated squirting, which is interesting because when I am on the internet, I come across many women who have experienced that during sex. And it makes sense that they would want books that again, like exemplify their own sexual experience um so yeah I just I really admired that in your book and I wanted to point out to anybody listening who has been specifically <laughs> looking for a best friends to lovers book with squirting <laughs> like checking off your tropes as you go and I guess my final question of today is uh, I'm sure you get this a lot but especially across all of your books but most notably in the Brown Sisters trilogy you feature a lot of characters who are neurodivergent mm. and and vary on the sexual or yeah sexuality spectrum mm. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> for instance in uh your book what is it is it that kind of guy which mm, I have yes. I just like peeked over to make sure I have, that was the title. <laughs> um he is demisexual mm. and yes. that was my first time reading a book in which a hero was demisexual and I remember thinking you're a lot of firsts for me <laughs> <Really>. <laughs> But I remember thinking like, holy shit, this is wonderful. Like what a wonderful representation of something that is 
is so common because like, it mm-hmm. is rather common mm-hmm. but that we don't see especially in our in our romance novels we don't see that especially in the men necessarily exemplified mm-hmm. um but I'm just wondering how you is it again because <laughs> I feel like this is just every time I ask you're just like I don't know I just like I just wanted to put it in <laughs> is that something that you purposely wanted to show in your books like this wide spectrum of people and their experiences in life for instance like Chloe Brown is also uh, has a chronic illness mm, yes. um, which was I think one of my first again one of my first times reading a heroine who is and I don't like to say suffering from living with mm. a chronic illness and you just like these books are like real people on the page <laughs> uh I love it <laughs> Thank but, you. Yeah, so I guess, is there a question in there somewhere? <laughs> I guess, like, how, how is writing that? How do you make sure that you're doing your due diligence on mm-hmm. a character? I mean, in, again, in Chloe Brown, the hero also has um, a dom- uh, domestic violence in his past in which he was the mm-hmm. victim. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I don't know, you just like really do, you do so much in your books. How do you make sure that you're doing it justice? I guess is my question, if I come down to it. Well, it's so... A lot of things, kind of my focus on representing a lot of different experiences stems from the fact that I, for example, I am queer, I have a chronic illness, I am neurodivergent, etc. And that just means there's so many instances where I've looked for myself in a book and not seen myself. And so I think that is like the root of me being so passionate about people seeing themselves and about showing that people are so different and have all these things going on, right? And so in a lot of situations, I'm writing things that I can personally relate to. Um, But then in just as many situations, I'm writing things that I can't relate to. And in either case, you know, it's obviously easier to do something that I've personally experienced. But either way, I still want to make sure, as you said, that I'm doing my due diligence. So I will do a lot of research. And my favorite way to research is to talk to other people who have experienced, you know, the things I'm writing about. Um, And I also like looking at like advice pages and forums for people who, you know, are helping each other through stuff. Um, And like, it's things like you mentioned that I wrote the hero who had had domestic violence in his past. And then I wrote a hero who was demisexual. Um, And this, you know, part of that is that I'm kind of very much like fuck gender norms and want to show that men have experiences also and yeah. sexualities also. Um, and then another part is reading so much romance as I have in my life and this being such a character, character-driven genre and at its core, I think, being about wounded people healing. I find that romance has had a tendency to write characters who could very easily be read as neurodivergent or who have had experiences that we would now say were, for example, uh, child abuse or sexual assault or an abusive relationship, you know, emotionally. Um, But for whatever reason, it just wasn't explicitly stated that way. And, you know, for example, I read a lot of historical romances growing up where I'm I'm autistic and I would read this romance and be like, oh, the hero is also autistic. But but no one would ever say that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I really enjoy like kind of following on that romance tradition, but bringing with it, you know, grounding it in the realities of people who have those experiences by naming it and recognizing it and so on and so forth. Wow. 
No, that's I mean, that's great points. I've it's interesting that you say it's easier for you to talk or to write from a personal perspective. Um, because I know a lot of people who are like, I I very much struggle to write from mm. that personal perspective because I put too much of myself in the character each and every time. So mm. it's easier for me to write people who are completely disconnected from me. Um, but I I believe I totally believe you because I feel, especially after talking to you today, that I can see like bits and pieces of you in each of the characters that you write, <laughs> even the heroes. It's just like, I can, I don't know, your voice very much comes through. Although I have to say, I did not, I know you, you live in the UK. I expected an accent, but I was still like, oh, you have an accent. Like when you <laughs> came on to me, cause I was like, oh, like I did not, I don't know. Your voice is just so wonderfully calming too. I feel like you should do audiobooks. Oh, and I would just like, thank you. listen to every word you say. You're very... <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess I should expect that people who write really well can also speak very well. Oh, thank so. you so much. I feel like I've had so many compliments today. <laughs> well, I only bring authors on here so I can love bomb them, basically. <laughs> I just want to like hit you with like 17,000 compliments and make you very wildly uh, insecure of your blushing and stuff like that. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> well, thank you, Talia, for joining us today on the Up the Smut podcast and for being so open and honest and just like a wonderful breath of fresh air to my day. I don't normally do podcast interviews at noon on a Monday, um, <laughs> which for, my, for me, it's my time. Uh, I normally do them at eight when I'm very tired and <laughs> loopy and they get weird. So this is really wonderful. Um, I'm curious, do you have anything coming up you'd like to share? Anything you'd like to promote to the followers here, of which there are a decent number of you? <laughs> Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been so fun, by the way, like just the most fun. Um, I just love talking to like this is all a ruse to get authors to talk to me <laughs> face to face. Like, what is it? There's not even a podcast. <laughs> there is no podcast. <laughs> I would be OK with that, to be honest. <laughs> um I so like we said I have just had my first YA book come out highly suspicious and unfairly cute there is no smut but there's a lot of feels if that's your thing there's good vibes good laughs good romance um and on the adult side I am working on a few different projects that I'm excited about so stay tuned <laughs> Perfect. Amazing promotion. Um, actually, I have one last question uh, just based on that. I'm curious, do you, are you able to write more than one thing at a time or are you very much a one project at a time, start to finish, then pick up something new? Um, I can, I can write more than one thing at a time, but I have to have clear delineations. Like I can't write two books in the same day. I can start a book and then think, oh, I want to do this or I have to do this and stop that book and start the new book. But I can't like fully dual wield. I'm not that powerful. Okay. Now I was just, I'm always so curious about authors writing strategies, but I'm trying not to make my podcast entirely me asking about authors writing <laughs> strategies like it used to be. So I'm just, that was my own curiosity peaking. Um, but anyways, for all of you who are listening, thank you so much. Um, if you would like to pick up Talia's books, they're available on Kindle uh, and in Barnes and Nobles and other bookstores near you, most likely. If your library doesn't have them, you can hound your library to purchase them as we, it is our duty as romance <laughs> readers to hound our libraries to purchase smut. That's, I just believe that to my very core. And of course, read whatever the fuck you want. 